All right, guys, what is up? Welcome back to the 307 Podcast. I have a special guest on today's episode for you guys. I'm really excited to introduce you all to my good friend, Jonah Bunch, owner of Bunch's Diesel Performance. Uh, if you've been around 307 Project for very long, you may have ran into Jonah before because um, he is has been a participant in many of our different missions, and he's doing a lot of cool stuff uh, with his business and He's done a lot of cool stuff with his life. He's been through a lot of transitions, and he's got some really cool stories that he shares with us today. So he'll be on in just a minute. I want to let you guys know today's episode is brought to you by our hydration partner here at 307 Project called Hoist. If you have not tried Hoist yet, uh, I highly recommend giving them a shot. It is what we use here at 307 Project for our hydration supplement, I guess you could say. When we're out doing long runs, uh, when we're out training, which we do a lot of, uh, I, as you know, we are endurance athletes here. A lot of times you need something a little better than just plain old water. You And not only do you need that, but it just, you, you want something that has some flavor to it. And that's one of the awesome things about Hoist. It tastes great. And it has everything in it that you need to keep you going, including calcium, potassium, magnesium, 70 calories. Uh, this stuff is much better for you than your traditional sports drinks, okay? There's no preservatives in hoist, and it's also no high fructose corn syrup. It's flavored with cane sugar. Um, it's just all-around awesome product. It's clinically proven to hydrate you 110% better than water, and I believe it too. I'll actually take a bottle of hoist up with me sometimes to the sauna, and I'm not kidding you. I can stay in the sauna longer when I'm using hoist instead of just drinking water. It's pretty amazing. It actually works. All that being said, hoist is an awesome company. Not only is their product great, but the people are great. They support our military. They have since day one. Hoist is battle-tested and warfighter-approved. I will agree with that. It's also made in America. And it's good American, red-blooded, awesome people behind this product. So support the products and the companies that support this podcast. I promise you, we vet them on our end. They're good people making an awesome product that will keep you guys hydrated and going further and faster than you thought you could. Hoist, thank you for being such an awesome partner. We love you guys. Check them out. Drinkhoist.com. I'll attach a link along with a pro code in the show notes to this episode. All right, without further ado, here's my buddy Jonah. <clears throat> Good God, we got somebody else on the podcast today that doesn't know how to talk into a microphone. We all got that big money. Like Give us did. a radio check. Check one, two. All right. Check one, two. Well, everybody, welcome back to the 307 Podcast. I've got a special guest on for you guys today. It's time for me to finally introduce you guys to a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Jonah Bunch. How you doing today, Jonah? Doing good, sir. Doing you good. had a right good hunt this morning, huh? Seen some deer. Yeah, sure did. So I didn't dry hole you. You did last night. Dry hold me you last night. It's the same spot. It's not a dry hole. Well, there wasn't no deer in it last night. 
there wasn't no nothing in it last night. No squirrels or nothing. Well, um, hey guys, if you're out hunting, the rut is on. Yep. You're, you're gonna be listening to this on a Wednesday, and you if get it, in the woods. yes, if you're listening to this and you're on your way to work right now, call your boss or whoever you need to call and let them know you're turning around and going back home. This is not acceptable for my employees. Yeah. Oh, it's not? No. <laughs> Y'all need to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, man, if you're going to hunt, you need to be in the woods. Now's the time to be. Yeah, now's the time. So, um, no, how, I, I can't think of any housekeeping today. We just wrapped up the Guardian Directive, which was a new course of instruction that we put out uh, for you guys, at least a few of you guys, to join us. That was a awesome time. We did everything that you can really think of plus some things you probably couldn't think of and uh we had just had an amazing weekend and now we uh we got a basic course coming up here shortly and we're rocking and rolling man so thank you for joining us for today's episode i hope all you guys are doing awesome jonah dude you're a diesel mechanic right bunches diesel mechanic performance yes oh daggone it bunches diesel performance yep um so what's the difference between a mechanic and a performance mechanic uh i mean there's not there's not any it's just more along the lines of what we work on like we don't do a whole lot of maintenance work we more do um souping up souping up lift kits wheels tires you know making things better than they was factory instead of like fixing problems we do a little bit of that too but it's just not you know not as much. Yeah. Just to let you guys know how I met Jonah. Jonah, we've been he he just he he just kind of showed up in my life a while back and now he has done the paddle trip, the advanced mission. He's done the guardian directive and the proving grounds. So we've spent a lot of time together. So that's a little bit of our history. I want to hear Jonah, how did you like how did you go from being a biology teacher to a performance diesel mechanic. All right. I, I want to, I want to hear more about that. Cause you gave me a little background on that the other day, but that's a big freaking shift, man. Yeah. So why, first of all, we'll go back to the biology teacher. First of all, I can't picture you as a high school teacher. I mean, I just I can't picture that, man. It's pretty epic. But why did you choose that route right off the bat? Um, so growing up, um, where I'm from, we was always kind of, and I don't know if it's just the town or whatever, um, was always pushed toward going to college. Like the only way to be uh, successful is you have to go to college to have to have a degree. Same uh, here, yeah. So, you know, I get out of uh, high school and did the whole college. Because, you know, it almost at the time, because they had, you know, the technical path for the mechanics and the woodworkers and electricians and stuff like that. But really, it almost had a, like a look down upon, like that was for the people that was not intelligent. If you were getting the tech, the tech prep Like, diploma. oh, those are the tech guys. They don't, yeah. you know. They, yeah. So, yeah, I remember that. Um, So I was on, you know, of course, on the college path. Um played football and stuff, and then ended up getting a scholarship to play football in college at Carson Newman. Um, went there, and I'd always, you know, you know, wanted to make pretty good money. So 
I got into the biology side of it because I just, you know, I want to be a, I guess I wanted to be a doctor. I want to be an orthopedic surgeon actually. Um, and so I just started doing the biology, you know, route, doing all the biologies and chemistries and all the different classes. Now, did you want to get in the orthopedic surgery because of your football career? I mean, was that something that you were really passionate about or? Yeah. I mean, like just the body, like I said, just cause I, that I didn't know really anything else about like the doctoring world. I just kind of like I knew an orthopedic surgeon cause I'd had a couple injuries and he was a really cool guy. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I knew that he had like a real big, nice house and he had a guest house. And so like, I knew he made good money. So I was like, well, you know, that'd be something pretty cool to do. Um, so that's, I kind of was in my mind, you know, at 16, 17 years old, that's kind of what I wanted to do. So, uh, got into college, started on that, played football for a while. Um, let's see, had a real bad concussion my sophomore year of football and got, actually got out of playing football after that happened. Then was not, I mean, I was doing like I was not not passing my classes. Like I was passing my classes, but it was just like I just it was taking so much time to do all of that stuff that I didn't really like doing it. So then I ended up swapping to nursing school, went through got accepted into nursing school, went through two semesters of nursing school. Uh hated that. Absolutely hated it. And so then I'm now going into my senior year of college and I've got almost enough credits to do my, like my MCAT for pre-med and I'm like halfway through the nursing program and I'm just like in a bad place, man, like in my life. Like I just didn't, I was not happy with anything, did not want to, didn't want to do nothing, hated everything that I was doing. Um, The only thing that I enjoyed at the time was there was a, a local guy near the college that run a diesel shop. And so my dad had had a truck that was tore up and we went down there and seen him a few times. And he was, you know, five or 10 minutes away from college. So on the days that I didn't have to work after college, I was going over there and I, I went over and told him like, look, I said, I don't want you to pay me nothing. I said, I literally will just come here and, help any way that I can sweep the floors, whatever, uh, and just kind of learn. Cause I was really interested in it. Mm. I thought it was cool. Um, so I would just go over there and hang out and, and I was there any time that I had free, free time. I, that's where I was at. Um, and I loved that, but I never really, I guess it never clicked in my mind that, you know, that's something I could do. That was a viable way to, to make money. And yeah. then, you know, me and him talk was talking one time and, was talking about like, you know, what kind of money and stuff the shops make. He's like, well, that makes, you know, that's a good idea. But, you know, still in my mind, it didn't click that, oh, you know, you could go and, you know, drop out of college and do that. Um, because I actually had a professor. I, I, I thought about quitting going into my senior year uh, of college and was going to work for a freight company shipping, you know, shipping freight for Old Dominion, uh, loading trucks and stuff, and then was going to work for him on the side. And I had a professor just like, you don't want to work on trucks. There's no, you can't make no money doing that. You know, you need to finish this degree and all this stuff. So I did. Uh, he kind of talked me out of it. So I ended up finishing the degree, um, got a biology degree, and then got a job. My, let's see, I actually taught full time the last semester of college. So I was teaching full time 
and going to school full time that spring. So I would I would get up. I was driving about an hour to work. Would teach until four. You know, get home, get off about four o'clock. I'd come by the dorm, pick my brother up because we lived together. We'd swing by the cafeteria and eat supper about six, and then I was going to night class. I did that for the whole spring, and then now um, were you teaching high school? Yes. Did you teach? So this that was actually at a um, a private Christian school, and so I taught anything. I taught freshman level biology. I taught uh, physics. And here's a funny story. I actually taught, I never took a physics class in my life. Didn't know nothing about physics. And I'm teaching a senior level honors physics class in this school because that's what they needed. Huh. And so I'm just like trying to stay a chapter ahead of the kids. Like I'm just reading it and trying to figure wow, out what's going man. on. So I didn't know nothing about that. But anyway. Uh, you know, man, it, I mean, right off the bat, just in what you've said, the part of your story that you've told so far isn't it wild, man, how there's nothing in our educational system that teaches kids that, hey, you can actually have a business that is yours doing something that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's actually anti that. Yes. It sounds, I mean, that's absolutely. exactly the case that you experienced in your life. Oh, it's yeah, like, absolutely. man, okay. I found this thing that I'm pretty passionate about. It's a specific skill. I enjoy it. And then you have a professor talk you out of pursuing that. And I think there's a case to be made either way. Like you had gotten that far with your degree. So yeah, you should probably go ahead and finish that up just because you've gotten that far. But at the same time, man, it's like, there needs to be some aspect of the way that we are raising our next generation. There needs to be some aspect that is encouraging them that, hey, yeah, you can go get a college education and, and go that route, but you can also figure out what you like to do and start your own thing mm-hmm. around that. Like, yeah. that's okay. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And that that's kind of this thing that, that um, Blake's daughter did yesterday. That's kind of like what I was trying to instill in her mind. Yep. Yep. And she didn't even she didn't even under when I first told so Blake's daughter, I was talking to her the other day and she didn't comprehend the concept of money. She just thought the only thing money was for is to give to someone else so that they would give you what you want. So she was thinking ice cream. I asked her what she was going to do with her ice with her money. She said, I'm going to buy ice cream. And I said, well, what if you took your money and bought an ice cream maker and you started making the ice cream and selling the ice cream to people for more money? And then you could also make your own ice cream for free. And then it clicked in her head. So now she started a smoothie shop and we were her first customers yesterday and when I saw the light bulb come on in her mind, like, wow, I like ice cream, I like smoothies, um, and I can actually do this and sell these things to people to make money. Mm-hmm. It was like a light bulb went off in her head. And so maybe it's not on the the schools to try to um, instill that in the next generation. Maybe that's more on the parents to instill that in the next into their children, right? I, I just don't think that happens very often. I mean, 
I don't know that I don't know that I had any mentorship when I was young from any angle on entrepreneurship or business ownership, if you could say, if if you want to call it that. So right. yeah, that's wild, man, that you were even considering that and the dude talks you out of it, says that's no, that's not a that that's a joke. Yeah. Yeah. So the teaching thing. So yeah, so did then, you like teaching? I enjoyed the concept of teaching. I didn't like pull that mic up close to your mouth. I didn't like that I had to so most teachers are master or they like in college they will study teaching. And then yeah. they will have for example, like I think, in, and it may be different for different states, but, it, you know, I think in Tennessee, like all that you have to do to qualify to be a science teacher in Tennessee, like you could be an education major and take like three or four science classes and you're qualified to teach. So I was, but I was taking three and four science classes a semester. And then, wow. so I was really good on the science side of it, but I didn't have the teaching part of it but like because so, teaching in and of itself being able to teach people that is a skill in and of itself so yes. oh, you have to learn how to teach right. and then you have to learn the subject matter to teach right yeah so, those have to go hand in hand so my the way i taught was different than i guess that the other people in the school were like i was getting like my kids was doing good i was getting good grades and they was getting the concepts but i didn't know like the little algorithms and the little systems of how to teach certain ways. Like I was still getting the point across, but it wasn't done in the way that they wanted me to do it. And so really what I didn't like was like, if you've got a kid that needs to learn, you know, the concept of mitosis, for example, and I know how to explain that to that kid. And then they can, then they can explain it to somebody good enough to make the grade on the test. Well, like there doesn't have to, there doesn't need to be a reason or a, you know, a, it has to walk through, you have to go this step, this step, this step, this step, this step to teach them. Like, as long as they know it, I don't understand why. So that was always a problem for me. It's like, just let me teach it. As long as they learn it, then it's fine. That's right. Yeah. I would think, but apparently not. That's not how that works. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, actually, so I had to, after I got out of school, I had to go back and I was in the process of getting my master's in education to get my teaching license. So I was on like a temporary license pending my you know, furthering of my education. So actually while I was in uh, doing that, I took a class and it was the teacher or the teacher of the, of the master's class. Like one of the big assignments at the end of the year was like, why do you want to be a teacher? Mm. Um, and man, it was like, I didn't know. And so I, re I, and I, I was going to make something up. Like oh, I want to help, you know, do all this other stuff. And I ended up writing the paper on, um, I want to be a teacher so that I can build up enough money to build me a garage and start my own shop. Really, wrote, man? I, that's what I wrote the paper on, and I got the highest grade in the class. Holy smokes, yeah. dude. That Man, that had to be, yeah, I mean, because that's what I'm thinking as you're, as you're talking through this. It's like that had to be like a smack in the face when you were faced with uh, like this question. Why do you want to be a teacher? Like, because, you, yeah, exactly, yeah. because you didn't. And, like, I imagine you could kind of, in your own mind, just kind of sweep that reality under the rug for, for a while. But then all of a sudden, you're, you, you are forced into a situation where now you have to 
articulate and you have to answer that question and and you're like dang i, I don't this isn't really what I, I want to do i actually had wrote the paper um about why i wanted to be a teacher the other way because it was this was a, a big assignment it was like a six or eight week assignment and it was like a week before it was due i, I reread it and i actually sent it to my mother so my mother-in-law is a, was a has been a teacher for a long time and i'd send it to her and she would proofread my papers um, and so she'd sent it and it was proof like it was ready to turn in. And I read through it that last time. And I'm just like, this is just a bunch of crap. Like this is wow, a complete man. lie. And I'm just like, huh. I'm, I'm not doing it. Like I'm not doing this. So if I fail the class, I'm failing it. But I wrote it how I wanted to write it. I didn't even have time to proofread it, send it in. And like I said, got the highest grade in the class. Um, but that teacher was actually very supportive of what I was wanting to do. Okay. Um, but it's, it's, it's odd, that, you know, cause at that age, you know, 18 to 21 like you know you've got so many kids that are making monster decisions on their entire life and you've got these people influencing these decisions based upon what they've done in their life yep yep you know man i think that this is this is so relatable just like you said to so many people especially younger people in that age group I've never understood the college thing. I've never understood it. It's like how can you ask how can you ask somebody that's 18 years old to go and decide what they want to do with the rest of their life for, for as as their career? Like they can't make that decision at that no. age. And and if you're going to go to college unless you just want to waste a bunch of time and money, you better have you better have that question answered, or else you're just wasting time and money, right? Just taking classes and doing things just because that's the way people are supposed to do it. Yep. And it's a broken system, man. Very. That's a broken system. So when you answered that question truthfully in that paper, how did that? What did what did that do to you? How did that affect you? It almost made me feel like that I like when she because I did it and I felt you know I felt good about doing it like you know maybe I'm not going to pass this class but you know at least I'm honest with myself and I feel like that was really the first time I had been honest with myself like look this is actually what I want to do with my life that's right um, and then when she like and she had actually pulled me to the side like you know I really appreciate what you're doing like being honest about that and she you know. And that kind of almost give me hope to, okay, well, maybe this is possible. Um, so then, like I said, I, I continued to do that. Um, and like I said, I taught, I taught for two, for two full years and then ended up didn't going back teaching and started, uh, started selling cars for my father-in-law who owns a Chevrolet dealership. And when I started doing that, I would, I had moved back home because me and my wife had just got married so I'd moved back to where I was from, which was like an hour away from that other shop. And so I started doing uh, work for like my friends and people that I knew just kind of on the side. And it was really starting out being like, and I still didn't get the concept that I could make good money doing that. It was like I had a truck that I wanted to do things to, uh, to do modifications and whatnot, but I didn't have the money to do it with. So I was like, well, if I work on this guy's truck or that guy's truck, then the money that I can make from that, then I can work on my own truck. Yeah. So that's kind of what started doing. And I started working on, so we, we've got a, a house there at home and, uh, I started working on trucks in my basement. 
like I've had trucks that we've done like some lift kits and stuff on in my basement that like I had to take the tires and take all the air out of them to roll them out of the basement so they would fit. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, it just kind of. Well, let's, let's back up. Okay. You said you, you kind of skipped forward over and you just said, I didn't go back teaching. Like that's a big, that's a big life change. Like you did, you taught for two years. I mean, yeah. that's enough to get settled into that yeah. routine. Like to not, to just not go back teaching and go help your father-in-law at the dealership. Like, so you want to know about that transition? Yeah, yeah. Like, what what was up with that, man? All right. So what actually happened there then? Um, I don't. I never was given a full reason, and I don't think that I've ever given. I've, I've told you the story, and I know that's what you're trying to get me to say. So I'm gonna go. You ahead say and, whatever you I'm want. Go ahead. I'll go ahead and give the story. So um, I was teaching. Uh, was actually doing really well in it, just because, like I said, I was a science major, so I knew a whole lot about the science side of it. So, you know, in school systems, you can get like grants and things like that from these hospitals or whoever, uh, anonymous donors or donation places. If you can, you know, give them reasons to why they should give you money. And I've always been good at, you know, explaining, you know, things like that. So like we, I lived in a, you know, we live in a kind of a lower income area and, and the school, everything was super out of date. And I'd got these, I'd got like a couple, a couple grants that year. So like in, and this is at actually at a different school, but that first year I got put on the board um, of this, like the, the science program. Like I was with three other teachers out of a school that had, I think six high schools. Um, we got a monster grant, we got to buy all new microscopes for the school I was at. We got a, got, got to buy all new books, got to buy, I mean, got a good chunks of money. Um, so it was going really well. Um, and then two weeks, well, and I, I probably should preface this with, I don't believe, so in the science world, evolution is pushed extremely, extremely hard. Yeah. Um, and I'm, as a believer, don't, you know, I believe in parts of evolution. So like microevolution, like changing within the, you know, a species can adapt to its area based upon, you know, over time, but you're not actually changing from one species to the next. And so that's, that's generally about a four to six week class that you go through and explain that to the kids and, you know, all that stuff. Well, I had caught, caught up on some other stuff. And so I was, I did, actually did that in like an eight week block and what i did and i didn't ask permission for this i just went and i taught half the time on creation i taught biblical creation and then i taught evolution and at the end of the at the end of the time i i had a big paper for the kids to write and they wrote the paper was give me you do you believe in evolution or creation and why and so mm-hmm. it was like you know a big thousand word paper for the kids and so they they all wrote the paper and not one kid wrote that they believed in evolution and i tried when i did it like i said i didn't try to skew it one way or the other i just tried to give here's these facts and here's these facts what do you believe yep um and that was pretty much like the end of the year like that was their last big grade um again everything is going fine teaching wise, getting all this money coming in from the, from the school and all this stuff. And then, then all of a sudden the last week of school, um, right after this paper was done, I got called into the principal's office and she was like, 
she never really gave me a reason. She was just like, uh, we've decided to not, that you're not going to be coming back here next year. Um, so thank you for everything you've done, but you're pretty much fired. Holy smokes, man. So I've been married about six months at this point. Got a house, got a house payment, you know, everything's normal. And then I'm like, okay, now I don't have a job. And so. Did you, I mean, when, when she called you in and said that, I mean. I was completely shocked. Did you ask like, what's up with this? Or like, did you. Yeah. I I asked her. So I said, so why? Like, is there a reason? She's like, well, we just don't think that you have enough experience doing it, doing the job. So we want to try somebody else. But, (laughs) but you look back on like, I, cause we're, and this is kind of how I know that was a bunch of crap is because I was doing my master's program through Carson Newman. And so like during that program, you have to get inspected by a, a you know, like a teaching inspector has to come watch you. And where I was new and in the master's program, I had to get double inspections of all the other teachers in the school. So I had people coming in twice as often from the state and from the college and all of my reviews was extremely, extremely good. Like, they're like, you're doing awesome. Like, you're doing really, really good, all wow. this stuff, you know. But then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you don't have enough experience. You're not good enough at it. And I'm like, okay. So do you think another teacher brought that up, to, brought that up the chain of command, or do you think it was students? Or I mean, I would, it, obviously, we're assuming that's the reason that I'm they, that that, they yeah, fired I, you. I don't know. I don't yeah. know, if, you know if a teacher or if a kid has went home and talked to their parent about it, and they've called into it. Because – I honestly, and, and like I said, I've never had this confirmed. I don't believe because I don't believe that it was the principal's call. I believe that she got told to get rid of me from a higher up position. Yeah. Like a like from the director or something like of that. Of course, yeah. So I don't, because she, I don't think that she actually knew the reason. And that's probably why she didn't tell me because me and her was on good terms. Because like I said, I was doing all this stuff. I was trying to help her grow the school and all this stuff. And, mm-hmm. and she just like. They just, it was more not like I need to get rid of you. It was more like, well, they're wanting to try somebody else. Yeah. It's like, it's not necessarily my, like she didn't say it's not my call, but I kind of got the hint that it wasn't her call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then I'm, uh, like I said, we're, I've, uh, lived at home, had like three months off, um, did not know what to do was trying to find some more teaching jobs and stuff like that. And at the time there was just nothing there. Um, was really like I don't know what in the crap I'm going to do, and I was still like I said I'm I'm doing working on people's trucks like on the side just kind of piddling, and so then I got like I said my father owns a um, car dealership, and I've always bought and, and traded vehicles and stuff, and and I called him one day I was like look, and this is end of July roughly, um you know school starts first of August, so if they're going to hire a teacher, they generally hire them in June. Yeah. And so you've got some time to get. And I, I knew pretty much that I wasn't going to have a job coming up, and I knew I had to have a job. So I was like, you know, can I come sell cars? And he's like, oh, yeah. So, you know, I started selling cars. And then, you know, getting into the automotive um, industry a little bit more, I guess, just because, you know, you're seeing people coming in with trucks and stuff like that. So, like, I would sell them, you know, I would sell people a new truck. And then, like, I had access to these other vendors because I was kind of doing this stuff on the side, like, I'll sell this guy a new truck and then like I would sell him through my like on the side, I'd be like I'd sell him like, you know, some floor mats or a bed cover or something like that. And I was, you know, 
installing stuff like that on the weekend. Like I did a lot of like the like the gooseneck hitches in the backs of trucks and you know stuff like that. Yeah. And so that kind of got to be more. And then I started getting people would come in, and they were just wanting to see me about doing stuff to their vehicle, mm-hmm. and that didn't go over super well. Yeah. So, you know, that like I said, as that kind of growed and growed and growed, um, I ended up quitting right at a year later, uh, and went full time at the house. And I like I said in that in that span, we'd I'd build a little thirty by forty garage at the house to work out of, because I had done. I mean, I was doing stuff because I was working till five, and then I was getting home, and I, I mean, if our stuff had to be done, I had to do it. And I was getting times that I had three and four trucks sitting in my subdivision, like needing to get worked on. And <laughs> I'm, I'm outside working in the rain. I've, I've done, I've been up under trucks working it, look over and it's snowing and you know, all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, and so like I said, then I quit, started full time. I don't know if I've told you this part of the story or not. Um, I'd had this building built. They finished it in March. Um, I quit in July. So that's, you know, three or four months of time. Everything's fine. When I quit in July, in September, no, in August, I started getting visits from the chief of police in my city because the mayor of the town at the time lived a few houses down from me on another road and found out that I was you know, working there all the time. And so he started causing problems for some reason. Didn't want me working on vehicles at my house. Mm. And so then I ended up getting, it was just a big, a big bunch of mess. So I ended up having to build another shop where we're at now, uh, in the same year. Cause I pretty much got kicked out of my other one. Like I was having to work at night with all the windows blacked out, man. Yeah. Trying to hide and get everything done. It was a mess, man. Holy smokes. Um, so when you quit at the dealership and you decide to go launch off into this thing full time, did you have, did you have enough work to keep you busy full time at that point? I was scared to death. I was absolutely terrified, but I, I told, I talked to my wife about it and I was like, you know what? I figured up cause I'm, I'm pretty strict on budgeting money. And I, and I told her, I was like, you know, I really feel like, and what I'd done is I'd started saving some money and I had about three months of bills saved up. And I was like, I've got this little bit of chunk here saved up. I believe that I can do enough work with what I've got to live on. Like I was literally just trying to have enough money to get groceries and pay bills. Yeah. Um, and the month that I quit and went full time, the business doubled that month that I quit and went full time. And I was like, there was kind of like an assurance of this is what you need to do. How, how do you, what do you attribute that to? Because that, that I mean, that's substantial. Uh, you said it doubled in that short of amount of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, what and do you attribute that to? How did that happen? I just feel like that it was just God pushing me to do that. That's what he wanted me to do. And it's like, you know, if, if you're going to step out on faith and do, and do this, then I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you, when you did that, 
do you think it has anything to do with with your mindset shifting around like okay this is no longer going to be like a survival just just something that I piddle with like there this is this is the only option yeah, at this so. point yeah there's almost like a like you're going yeah because it's either you're going to make money doing this or you're not going or you're not going to have money to eat on that's right yeah and it's yeah. like once you flip that switch of like there is like you know when I was working at the dealership like I kind of had a backup plan Exactly. And, you know, like when I was teaching school, I kind of had a backup plan. Like you go all in and I didn't have a backup plan. I couldn't get a teaching job. I was not going back to selling cars. Like there was no other options. Like yep. I, I was getting it or I wasn't. Isn't that funny how that works, man? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, and, and that's that, that right there is the step. That people are unwilling to take. Well, it, it, I mean, it's a terrifying thing to do. Yeah. It's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. But that, it, you're just stepping out on like, do you, do you need the security of everything else or do you believe in yourself? And I had the belief in myself that I could do it. And so I did. Where did that come from? The belief in myself? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, my, my wife has always been super, super supportive of everything that I've done. Like, it's just like she's been, and it's been from us living in an apartment that was no bigger than this room. I mean, 500 square foot live. I mean, she was, she was there from then. And it's been like, you know, I'm going to help you through, like if you're teaching school, like she's like, you know, that's, you know, you, you're doing good at this or whatever. But, you know, anytime we've talked about, anything it like i think that i need to do this she's never been like well you may not want to do that or you may not want to do this she's like i believe you can do it mm. so. that means a lot don't it yeah that's that's usually i know for me i can relate so much to your story man like it just takes one person yeah. in your life to look at you and say man i think you got what it takes to do this that's really that's really it. it. That's how it's been it, it, in my life. It for me becoming a seal, it took one person, my seal mentor Frank Cutler. Okay, senior chief Cutler. He he's the one that put me through the PST. I failed that PST for months and months. I was couldn't run. I couldn't do. I couldn't. I was freaking terrible. But for some reason, he saw something in me. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? You remind me of myself when I was your age. And I think you got what it takes to do this. He was the only one, right? I mean, out, outside of my mother now. Right. My mom right. always, my mom believed I could do anything, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? She right. always encouraged me in that way. But somebody from the outside you know, not your not your mom that you know not to discredit moms for their right. love, but you you kind of expect them. But somebody that you don't expect to come in and say, "Hey, no man, you you can do this." It just takes one. That's it. I think that's important for you guys listening to this too, because you can be that one person that does that for somebody else, right? Yep. Uh, it work it works both ways, like. If you've experienced that before, like pass that along to somebody, right? 
Be that person that looks at someone. Now, don't tell them a lie. If they if they're not cut out for whatever it is they they they're they're thinking about doing, don't tell them a lie. But if you see someone, if you know someone in your life that wants to do something and they are lacking confidence, be that person that just like Jonah's wife. And you know the thing with it is, it doesn't take. And, and, I, and, I, and I've told you before, like I'm not the best mechanic in the world, but I'm going to do whatever amount of work it takes to get to where I've got to do. Yep. Like it's not about the skill. Like the skill is a is something you learn, but you can't. It's like you can't learn to do the work. Yeah, that makes sense. Like you just got to do it. That's right. And I would predict that if you would not have quit at the dealership and went all in. I'll bet I bet the diesel business that you have now would not even have came close to doubling. Oh no. It probably would have just stayed the same and eventually tapered off. Probably. Mm -hmm. Um and I think that that's huge, man. That's huge. I, I don't think there's any other way to do it. I I, I you hear people talk about all the time the thing that they're passionate about being their side hustle or something. That's a bunch of freaking bull crap, man. You ain't going to get nowhere doing that. Like, you have to leave the thing that... You have to leave your little security blanket and you got to go and do what it is you're passionate about doing for it to ever work the way you want it to work. That's just the reality. I I, yeah. I don't I don't think there's I don't think there's this middle ground that you can skate where you can you can maintain this certain level because it's that level of security that's keeping you from pushing hard, as as hard as you need to push to make the thing that you want to grow grow. Absolutely, it's that security. It's that comfort, right? Mm -hmm. That's what's keeping what it is you want to do. From becoming what you want it to be. That's what it is, man. That's been my experience in life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, dude, I remember when I left to go to Bud's. No, when I left to go join the Navy, I gave everything away. Dude, you would have loved my truck back then. <laughs> I had a 95 Ford F-250 sitting on 37s. Man, it was clean. Regular cab, long bed. I gave it to Blake. I gave everything away. Gave my truck away. Gave my clothes away. Any, any possession I had. Because all those were little security items that if I would have held on to those things, it would have given me something when times got really difficult for me. It would have given me something to say, I could go back home to that. You know, I could go, I could go back home and I've got my cool truck, you know, and all my stuff that I really enjoyed, I could go back home to that, and life wouldn't be all that bad. Yep. But I got rid of all that crap. And I didn't do that consciously. Like, I didn't intentionally do that. I did that because I made my mind up that there wasn't going to be any other freaking option. There was not an option. Yeah, there was no other option for me. So I wasn't like, I'm going to get rid of all this stuff just so it's not tempting for me to go. No, I just made my mind up that there's no other option and this is what I'm going to do. So then therefore, the logical thing to do is give all that other crap up. Just give it all away. You don't need it anymore. 
That's just a logical thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to avoid the temptation. It's when you make that decision, the logical thing to do is freaking leave all that other crap behind and push forward into whatever it is you've decided to do. And that's, that's a perfect example. Your business freaking doubled after you made that decision. Yep. That's unbelievable, man. And, and what, what was that amount of time? Oh, in 30 days. In 30 freaking days, man, because of that decision. Now, you give glory to God. You're exactly right, man. When you step out, usually you know what you've been called to do. You step out, right? And God is going to provide the blessing, but he wants you to make that same. He wants you to make this decision that we're talking about here. You know? Well, it's just kind of like, you know, and and when you, when you said that, it makes me think of the story that, that, I, that I play in my mind a lot. It's, um, and it was on a movie. I don't remember which movie it was on, but it was like, there's this guy and he was, and he was kind of going through the same thing. Like, you know, I don't know if God is going to provide, you know, farmers don't know that God is going to provide the rain, but they're out planting the crops. They're out doing the work. Um, and he just called it, you know, I'm, I'm preparing for rain. Yeah. It's like, I'm getting ready for what he's going to do because I got faith that he's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's freaking awesome, dude. So, you got your business up and going. How long has um, Bunch's Diesel Performance been in, in business now? Um, Let's see. I actually got a business license while I was still working at the AAA dealership. When that was uh, five years ago this month. And I quit that following July, so I've I've been full time at it a little over four years, um, and man, it 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 blows my mind how that's grown. Yeah, blows my mind, man. Well, what if what have been some of the the biggest difficulties that you've been faced with thus far, and then how how did you? How, what solutions have you come up with? I mean, I know there have been many, but does any do, yeah. do any stick out the, in your head? The biggest one was uh, getting pretty much right after I started, because like you said, and this is this is one of those times that if I would have had another option, I would have done something else. I was like, this is I'm just not dealing with this. So right after I started, like any you know, I'd been doing it however long two months maybe, and they come and pretty much is like, look, you've got 30 days to shut this down. And so I didn't know, I had no idea what to do. Because they didn't want, they wouldn't let you, allow you to operate out of that shop that you had built at your house. Correct. Okay. Um, And there wasn't necessarily, the problem with that was is, is, I, d- I think that if I would have went to court over that, that I could have won that court case. Yeah. But I couldn't have paid for a lawyer. So they would have just destroyed me. So, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So um, right after that, so I, I didn't know. At that point, I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, and I grew up on a farm about, I live about five or ten minutes away from there. Uh, and my mom was like, you know, I will – let you have two acres right here on the corner of this farm beside the road if you want to build you another shop. And I was, and I, you know, I was like, okay, so now I've got somewhere that I can go. 
but I still ain't got no money to go there with. Yeah. So this is where like a big, like I was talking about the support of my wife is like, she believed that I could do it. So she went with me and we took out a second mortgage on our house to build this shop so that I could continue doing the business. Mm. Um, and we had to pay a little extra because like I had to have this thing moved in in 60 days because if I didn't, I, there was no money coming in at all. And so like they told me I had 30 days to get out. Well, day 31, I wasn't out because I didn't, it wasn't done. And so like, that is when like I'm at night, like I, I was not working. I was literally working. I would get up in the morning and I would answer phone calls from like eight to 10 o'clock and try to get some stuff scheduled. And then I was sleeping from like 11 to four, getting up and running to town and getting parts if I needed to wait until it got dark, then pulling whatever truck in outside in the shop, going inside, having the lights on inside. I went and got black curtains over all the doors. Didn't use any electric tools, nothing. and was doing everything by hand in there at night. And like, I would work all night long. And then the next morning, I had that truck that I pulled in back outside where it was, so they never could tell that <laughs> I was not doing anything. What the crap, um, man. So, you know, just that, getting getting through that, because like I said, if I had, at that point, if I'd have had a teaching job to fall back onto, if I'd have had something else to fall back onto, like, I would not have done that. Yeah, because, I mean, that's right off the bat, dude. It's oh, like, yeah. well, yeah, here, here I'm faced with this, seemingly insurmountable problem right off the bat. Holy crap. Well, maybe this isn't the right thing. Maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's kind of what I was thinking in my mind. And, you know, then I, I, I talked to Jen about it and she said, no, I believe that you can do it. And so then, you know, when you mm. believe that you can do something, like I said, I was preparing for rain. We, we, we found a may a way to make it at least give it a chance. Yeah. 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 So that's been probably one of the hardest things. Like I said, right off the bat to deal. Because even when we moved in in the shop, like I was – so so then you add that second mortgage onto the house, which jumps another – a big chunk of money you got to come up with every month. Yeah. And, you know, I'm at the time I'm doing like one or two trucks a week. You know, like I'm not doing a ton of work, so there's not a ton of money coming in. And I've got these two shops that I've got to pay for, plus a house and all this other stuff. I mean – I borrowed money from my aunt. I remember this. I borrowed money from my aunt to pay for the lights to put in the shop. And I didn't like that shop needs as far as like the lumens that you need to work. It needs about 12 lights. Well, when I put them in there, I put four in it because that's all the money I could get. Yeah. And so I'm in there and there, so this is a big metal building and I moved in Jan right at the first of January and it's cold, son. And I, there, I didn't have no heat. Like, like I had this little, I had one of these little torpedo heaters that I had to f follow around me around the shop and keep me warm. Like I, and like you would work and your hands would go numb and you'd have to get down and warm your hands back up and then you'd climb back up. And, yeah. Yeah. There but was you, no insulation. There was no nothing. Man, I just wonder though, we talk about, talk about times like that. And, um, do you ever reflect back on those those days and think, well, that was actually 
those are like good memories. Like, oh, yeah. that was actually it's cool that I did that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, like, it seems miserable at the time. And but. we're still going through the, you know that growing process now. And you know, just in the last couple of years, and just looking back on like, man, can you believe it used to be like that? So the boy that works for me now, the first I hired him as as a mechanic. The first month that he worked for me, we didn't work on trucks. We spent the first month hanging insulation in that building because we was going to freeze to death if I had to go another winter. <laughs> I'd have died another winter. Man, you know, it, it's I love that part of your story, man, because I think um, it's a that's a natural part of the the evolution of any business that anybody listening to this is going to start, right? Is those early days. And when you're stuck, when you're stuck in whatever, if it's the freezing cold shop and, and trying to do what you can do and, you know, your hands are freezing, it, it seems like a waste of time when it's happening. It seems miserable when it's happening. But then when you when you overcome that, not only do you appreciate what you have later on more than you would if you just started out with everything you needed, not only do you appreciate things more, but you can look back and think back to the beginning and it just puts a smile on your face, man. Like you can still say, yeah, that was freaking miserable, but man, it makes you smile. I, I remember when I started this podcast right here, it just makes me think of all this. This is one example. When I started this podcast, I lived in a house that didn't have internet because we lived so far out in the country in Virginia. We didn't have internet out there, and I wanted to start the 3 of 7 podcast. And I used to have to drive an hour to a friend's house who had internet, and I would sit in their spare bedroom and leech off of their internet to record a podcast episode. So it was a two-hour round trip in somebody's back spare bedroom in a double-wide trailer to record a podcast. And <laughs> it's like, that's how it started, man. Yep. And then when we set, when you, now we have a studio where we can, spaces to record podcasts, it's like you appreciate it so much more, but like, who, who's going to do that? Like, who's going to, who that wants to start a podcast is going to drive an hour one way and sit in somebody's spare bedroom and leech off their freaking, their their crappy internet to record a podcast because they, nobody, people won't do but, that, yeah, man. But people won't do it. Who wants to start a shop, but are, but they're going to start off with a, with a metal building on an empty two, two acres of land in January and freeze their, freeze their nuts off. And, and like, no, you people ain't going to do it. They want to start with everything that they think they need mm -hmm. to make it this big production. That's what they think they have to start with. Okay. In all reality, that's never going to freaking happen. And that was a year in like that's because I, like I said, I started the business and got the business license in 2017 in November and I moved in 2019 in January. So that's oh, like a year and two months. After I've started, I'm still freezing myself to death. Yeah. Just trying to pay the bills. Like, it's not going to be. And see, so I think a lot of people get the misconception of, hey, I've got this great idea for this business and I'm going to bust my tail for three to six months and it's just going to work. Like, no. No. That ain't going to work. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't always, but there, I mean, 
you may work two years with nothing, but it's not like you don't, you can't do it because, oh, I'm trying to make all this. If you're trying to do this for the money, you're never going to make it. You got to do it because you love doing it. Yep. You got to love the process of doing it. Yep. And the 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 money will come. It's a byproduct. Of the what money you do. will come years, probably, probably years, yes, years down the line. Yeah, that's exactly right. I just want y'all to understand, all y'all listening. If you're getting ready to, if you know what you're passionate about, and you've been wanting to to go a different direction than you're going right now, understand what we're telling you right here. You're not when you start out. It's not going to be perfect. If you want to start a podcast, it ain't going to you 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 can't start out with a a Joe Rogan podcast studio. Like no, you got to go out and buy your little USB microphone and go bum off of somebody's internet and that's how you got to start it out. That that is part of the process yep. to make you have to go through those steps. To have anything that's going to be lasting, and I believe. If you look at a lot of the most successful businesses, that's how they started. Because if you get these businesses that come in and have all these big investors and stuff like that, a lot of them don't survive because the people, when it gets hard, the people don't have that hard time to fall back up on. Exactly. Yeah. When you know, as of right now, like the economy is tanking, and there's you know, you know, the diesel thing is kind of slowed down a little bit just because people don't have the money that they had, but like. You know, to me, it's like, you know, I've worked in my driveway before. That's exactly right. I'll, you know, yep. I'll do whatever it takes to, to get through. And there's people, most people won't do that. And unless you have that hard time to fall back up on, you know, it, you just can't, you can't make it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, since you've been in, uh, since you've been in business for yourself, who, who have been some of your, your biggest, I guess if you would say mentors in business, who have you looked up to? Who have you learned from? Because I mean, you've, you've had, you, you even, well, you have a lot riding on your shoulders now. I mean, you're the, you're the man. So I, I remember when I was first, um, when I first started the shop, because like I said, we wasn't, we was have just, you know, a couple of trucks a week. So I was just, I was doing everything by myself and, um, like I would have some extra time. And so like, in order to try to help pay the bills, I was mowing, I would go mow yards. And so this is kind of how I got introduced to podcasting. Cause I didn't know nothing about podcasts. And so while, here. while I would go out and mow yards, instead of listening to music, I was listening to podcasts and that's how I would, you know, I would listen to these people and, um, you know, talk about business or talk about the truck thing. And, uh, one guy who's been a, who's actually a really good friend of mine now. And, and like, he's a, in the diesel performance industry, he's a, I mean, he's an old head. He's a giant, um, was Lenny Reed. And he's been, like I said, now I've now three years ago, I looked at Lenny as like, like super high on a pedestal, like, yeah. you know, super, super high. Um, and you know, three, four years later, I've got Lenny's phone number. I talked to Lenny you know, on a monthly basis, I've been to his house. Like we go ride Jeeps once a year and up in the woods and just go hang out because mm -hmm. we're buddies, you know, um, that, that's, that's a big, you know, awe moment for me. And then like, even so like, I actually 
learned about the three of seven podcasts listening to uh, Andy Frisella. So like I listen to uh, the real AF podcast a lot uh, and, and, you know, take, you know, as far as for learning business and things like that from Andy and listen to Chad on there. And I remember like, man, the first time I heard your story was, uh, I think, I don't mean for the first or second, for the first time he was on Andy's podcast when he had talked about his, uh, niece drowning or whatever. Yeah. Um, Man, I was like, I, that was the first time I'd ever heard of you. And so then I started getting, I listened from that point till now. Like I'd listened, I was going back and listening to all the three of seven stuff. Like I was bought into all that, you know, all what you all was doing. And I remember I was driving, I drove to Florida, um, which from where I was at was about a 14 hour drive one way and back. And I listened to three or seven podcasts from the time I left to the time I got back. Like Holy just, just constantly. And like, you know, um, you know, listen to Chad and Blake, and like, I would just love to meet you guys. And, you know, then, you know, a year later, like the relationship now that me and you have just because like, like I, I said in my mind that I was going to know Chad mm-hmm. and now like, and that was a goal of mine. Like, I'm going to know who this guy is and he's going to know who I am. And that like, you just kind of like, you got, you've almost got to get to the point where, uh, you're obsessed with something to be like, there was not a, there, and I didn't, and I, and I tried multiple things to try to get, to get your attention if that makes sense. And then, like I said, I started doing the courses and stuff. And then, like I said, at the, at the courses, like I always tried to really do, you know, as best as I could. Mm-hmm. And like I said, then we, and, and I was like, you know, once I get a chance to talk to him, I think that we're going to be good. But like, I just wanted to get, I had to put myself in that position. You've got to, like I said, you've got to put yourself out there to, to get to that. But yeah. I mean, you, like I said, you're a big mentor of mine now, you know? We've, well, I know we share a mentor. I appreciate that, Jonah. That means a tremendous amount to me coming from you man and uh we we share a mentor a- Andy Andy Frisilla I mean the dude is in terms of business I mean I've I've I go I I've, I'm going back and listen to all the his old MFCEO yep. project yep. podcast he's a he's a freaking wizard man yep. I mean that's all the dude studies um and how did you it, it's interesting to me too Jonah because I mean, you're you are a very special human, and you're rare in a way that it's like you you can you can connect with someone that you relate to, like Lenny, the other guy you're talking about. You connect with that person through some form of media, and Lenny had no absolute no clue who you were, and you have you have built friendships with people that you want to be around i mean how did how, how did that work with lenny i mean how like so you know and, and i don't know if it's just if i'm doing this subconsciously but now that you said it just kind of looking back or thinking on it like i don't have there's nobody really in my immediate life other than my brother noah who I can have conversations with about deep things or, you know, about business because there's nobody immediately close to me that 
Like, you know, the, the, the saying is like, you're the sum of your five closest friends. Yep. Well, I couldn't find that group in my area. That that's exactly why I'm asking you this question for the listeners. Okay. Because that is ex- it is extremely important for people to understand how you have done what you have done. Okay. Because you've taken you've taken information from people but then you've taken it to the next step and you've been like, "No, I'm going to do life with these people because I can make them better and they can make me better." And that's the what that's the person I want to be. People can't do that, man. You're a weird dude, man. I don't know how you do it. So I, that's what I'm getting at. Okay. Well, I, I never really. I, I guess I've never really con- thought about it. I just did it. So, like I said, I, I I didn't have that group around me. So I I've said in my mind and like I figured out the people that I wanted to be around. Yep. And what they've done, and I need to get to know these people, and these people need to get to know me because I'm, you know. I feel like that I've done a lot of stuff and I can kindly relate to people. And I feel like if, and most people, you know, when you meet even very high performing individuals, you know, they're, they're just normal people. Yeah. And if you have, everybody is, you know, so, and I feel like people can, can get the vibe off of you that you're, that you're, a, that you're either about it or you're not. And I feel like, you know, so anyway, so like with Lenny, uh, Lenny owns dynamite diesel. Uh, products and they build uh, fuel injectors for trucks. And so Lenny, like I said, he's he's one of the, the really big guys in the industry. So what I started doing is I started so so there's all kinds of different injector manufacturers, but Lenny's are kind of the next level, like they're the, they're the top of the top. And so what I started doing was I started solely offering. To my customers, because I want to offer the absolute best products available. If you're coming to my shop and you're getting a set of injectors, you're getting a set of Lenny's injectors. And that's the only injectors I would sell. I didn't care what was on sale. I didn't care what, whatever. Like, if you want the best stuff, which is what I'm doing, that's the injectors that we're getting. Yep. So, what that turned into was that turned into me being... A shop because you know most shops are like you know because there's other injectors that i could buy that i could make more money on yeah um so what i started doing is i didn't care i was just buying straight from him and so we was doing a ton ton of stuff and then that turned into uh hey and then so there was something that happened with one of the orders that i that i made an order uh and they'd sent me the wrong thing and i'd send an email because i'd not really talk to him or nothing uh, send an email out, hey guys, you know, this is the wrong ones. And, you know, a lot of people throw absolute fits about stuff like that. And I'm like, look, you know, just whenever you can. And I get a, I get a phone call from, from Idaho and answer the phone. And he says, hey, you know, this is Lenny Reed, uh, owner of Dynamite Diesel. Sorry about your order. I uh, just wanted to reach out to you and tell you that we can get it took care of and all this other stuff. And so then I had his phone number. But I didn't like, and I feel like a lot of people, when they get a contact with somebody, they just, they wear it out. And then that person wants nothing to do with that yep. person. Um, and so then what I started, and I just kept buying his stuff. I just kept buying his stuff and buying his stuff. And so then I reached out to Lenny one time. I was like, hey, you know, I've got a couple weeks coming off six or three or four months in advance. Hey, I've got, you know, a couple weeks off. I would like, I would love to come out and look at your shop 
see kind of how you do. Cause like I said, I, and I was like, you know, you, we solely use your stuff just, you know, to get a little bit better customer experience to, so I can explain to the customer why your stuff is better and in depth, in depth look. Um, and he was like, yeah, man, come on. So I flew out, uh, and, and see the thing with this is too, like people, people think that like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to meet this person just because they have all this money that they're going to take care of me. Then like, look, I've spent my own money to go out there yep, to meet this man. And then we go out there and I'm staying in a hotel and I go to his shop and I spend a full day with him and his guys that night. I'm fixing to leave to go back to the hotel. He's like, Hey, where are you staying at? And I told him, he's like, well, won't you just cancel that? And you just come stay at my house. So then I end up staying with him. And while I was supposed to go out there for three days and come back and there was a snowstorm that come up and he's, he's all big into Jeeps and stuff. And he's like, Hey, let's go. To the, you know, you can't fly out anyway because of this snow. He said, why don't we go riding the mountains? And so then now me and Lenny have become super good buddies just because <laughs> of a circumstance that was out of my control once I got out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, and I, I guess what it is, is people and, and I don't, I'm not trying to say this in an arrogant way, but people, people think that they deserve your time. A hundred percent. Yeah. People think that for no reason. Yeah. Like you have to, if you want something from somebody, like if I want to spend time with Chad, Wright, I don't need, I don't want, like I didn't want to go spend, you know, a week. I wanted to go spend a few hours and have a conversation with you. But to do that, I have to add value to you. So yep. I have to go spend money on courses or whatever because that adds value to you. And then once I have value to you, then when I say, hey, you know, whatever, you're like, sure. Yep. Yep. And what it generally comes into turns into being is it's not like, hey, can I – when you treat people the right way, it's not, Hey, can we do X, Y, or Z? It's you treat people the right way and you, you get to know that person. That person will call you. Hey, won't you come do this? Yep. Hey, won't you come do that? Jonah, man, you don't even know how you don't even know how much I relate to exactly what you're saying, man. This is how my whole journey started. Yeah. Exactly what Jonah is talking about right here. This is how my whole, this, uh, y'all know, I don't know if y'all know, I made a post the other day, my, my, my biggest mentor in business and branding and, and all three of seven project and all that has been Jesse Itzler, right? Right. And I've, I've even went as far as to make the statement that many of you would not even know who I am if it wasn't for my relationship with Jesse Itzler, because he taught me how to do most of what I do now. Um, I didn't even know what branding was. I didn't know what social media was. I didn't know how to reach people. I mean, Chad was still Chad, but I didn't know how to do, I didn't know how to do any of what I'm doing now. And, you know, man, the way I say what you just said is, um, don't ask people, don't ever be the person who asks someone that you look up to for a favor. They don't owe you nothing. They don't Man, owe you nothing. 
become so valuable in that person's life that they want they then want to do things for you. Yep. You don't you don't have to ask them for a favor. I this is exactly what happened to me. <clears throat> I saw I could provide some value to my buddy Jesse before we were buddies. Right? And there was a there we connected. I saw I could provide some value. I spent my own time my own money, my to fly out and provide that value that I that I could give to him because I knew he had some things. I knew he was somebody I wanted to be friends with. I knew he had some things that he could pass on to me from a knowledge perspective that that could make me better in life. Not even just in business. I mean, this dude showed me what passion looked like on a whole nother level, man. And I did the same thing you're talking about you did with Lenny. And I went out there, and I provided some value. You were providing value to, to Lenny for years in advance by just buying his products and exclusively offering his products. That's how you were providing that value to him, right? And I did this with Jesse, man. And we trained for a weekend. And I'll, I'll never forget. I'll never forget when he asked me, uh, what, 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 what's your, what, what, what are you going to charge for this? What's your fee? for coming out here and helping me push through these barriers, you know, that I've been trying to get through physically for, for my coming up race. And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about, man. I just wanted to come out here and see what you were all about. I mean, I, we're just going, we're just, let's just be friends. You don't got to charge me nothing. And after that, there's been so many occasions where I don't, I don't ask Jesse for favors. When something comes up that, that he sees could be potentially beneficial for me, he makes it happen. And I know that. And I do the same for him. So we don't have to ask each other for favors because we provide each other enough value in friendship and relationship. And, and, and when, when, he need, when he's struggling with something, maybe I can help him. When I'm struggling with something, maybe he can. We provide each other so much value that if something pops up on our radar and I'm like, dang, Jesse's the guy that, to do that, I'm going to throw that opportunity his way. And he does the same thing for me, man. But, but you're doing that not looking for something in return. Not at all. So this not is, at all. This is where, and what I'm saying is not something that's an uncommon thing, but what, what's uncommon about it is the way people go about doing it. And I'm not saying that I'm uh, that I'm this big special thing in business because I'm absolutely not. I'm still very young in business. But I, I have enough sense to know that there is the people that are in, up at, at the top that I want to be around. Those people are at the top because they've got enough sense to know when you're full of crap about wanting to help them or not. Yep. Because when you reach out to somebody, hey, can I help you do this? Or, hey, can I help you do that? You know, that, they don't need that. What they need is when you see something that that person needs, you don't ask them, hey, do you need this? You show up with what they need. That's right. Yep. A hundred percent. Or right. like, you don't like, hey, you've got this. It's this. not transactional. No. you do, And you do it. If you do it trying to get something in return, that person knows that from the start. Yes, sir. 
Absolutely. You're exactly right. Because that, that gives off a bad vibe from the start. You can tell it from the start. When somebody shows up wanting something, you can tell it. Yep. Yep. Dude, I'm so glad you, you talked through that, the way the way that that lined up. And and like you said, Jonah, you did this. I mean, you, you we, we have we have a similar story. Um, and, uh, I don't know, man. I, I just think that more people need to understand that. Like, just be a good person. Yeah. Help, help, help people when you can that, help people. Exactly, man. Exactly. And don't be the person that, that, that knows someone who can potentially pull some strings or whatever you might need done or want done. And don't be the person that calls and asks, asks for that favor to be done. No, man, make yourself valuable enough to that person that, that they're going to, they're going to see that ahead of time. Right. And, and that's, I mean, that's what a true friendship looks like. You know, that's what a true friendship looks like. And it's not transactional at all. It's just, it's a, it's a relational thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think, yeah, I think not many people comprehend that. And I think it's awesome that we do live in a time now to where we are so connected that we can, we are exposed to people from all over the nation that are in alignment with what we're striving to do and who we are and and because we're exposed to them, that means that there is a, a way and an opportunity to truly connect with them on a, on a human level. And you can make that happen. And it's important to make that happen because the network that we build, like you say, especially those closest five people, the network that you build is going to greatly influence what really what you become and who you even are as a person absolutely really it is i mean and so it's an it's 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 an awesome time that we live in and there's a way to get around the people that you know you should be around in order to get to where we all are are striving to get to you know what I mean? I just think that's an awesome concept. Something people's got to realize too, though, is, and I've heard Andy say this, is busy people understand busy people. Yes, sir. Like, when I need something for Chad or I've got a question for Chad and I'll text Chad, he may not text me back for three or four weeks. I'm not texting Chad ever two days, hey, did you get this? Hey, you know, what's going on? Or yep. will you respond? You know, I know that he's got it. And when he's got time to get back with me, he'll get back with me. Yep. I'm not, you know, and there's so many people and I, and I deal with people all the time. Like if you don't text them back in five minutes because their girlfriend texts them back in five minutes, then, you know, you're just a bad person. You know, that, that's just not how it is. Yep. So yeah, I just want to throw that out there too. No, that's you're it. right, man. You're right. That's, that's what, uh, and that, you know, that actually, you're right. Busy people understand busy people. And you know what, you know what the understanding of that creates is, like when Jonah texts me, I'm going to read the text because I know if he's texting me, it's for a reason. Like, 
I'm not asking you what you had for breakfast. That's exactly right. Like, <laughs> and there, and and the people that are closest to me in my life, Chili's another great example of this. When Chili calls me, I'm gonna answer the phone because Chili don't call me to waste my time because he respects your time. Yeah, and I don't call him to waste his time. Right, and I don't care whether he's busy or not. I respect his time, whether he's busy or not. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. It and, and it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're if you're sitting on the couch and you're having some time with Brooke, that's not my, like it's not my place to interrupt that time with her. Yep. For you to have a conversation with me about something, like. Yep. You know. I'm in complete alignment with you on that, man. Well, we could, dude. We got to go hunt, man. It's time to get back in the woods. Man, we could, uh, I got so many more questions. Um, just because your business has developed into something so unique and how you've really honed it down to, you know, this specific, you know, this, this specific, uh, the, the best of everything and, and even specific types of trucks. And I would love to get more into why you decided to do that and how that's worked for you and how that's been advantageous for you instead of just trying to do everything for yeah. everyone, right? Because it has worked for you. And we'll get to all that on a, on another podcast because we do have to go hunt. Um, but, dude, it's been really, really cool having you on the podcast, Thanks, man. man. I've enjoyed it. This was this was unplanned. Yeah, uh, last, last minute. I actually didn't even ask Jonah if he would come on the podcast. No, the show I up and said, hey, <laughs> sit down. You're going to do a podcast. <laughs> I swung the mic around and said, there's your microphone. <laughs> so, I, dude, I really appreciate you being open and, and sharing those lessons with the listeners because I think um, there's five or six things in there that that if people don't understand it, they need to understand it. And maybe if they do understand it, they needed a reminder. So that's yeah. solid stuff, brother. Well, all right, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. I'll attach a website to Jonah's uh, shop, Bunches Diesel Performance, and also Jonah's Instagram handle in the show notes of this episode if you guys want to find him and follow him. He's an awesome human, and uh, he does awesome work, and he has my endorsement, if that means anything to you, 100%. So thanks, brother. Thank you, Chad. I appreciate you. Enough said.